All right, KISS Army, welcome to the KISS FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today and letting us into your head. I hope we don't do any damage. This is a KISS-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope that you enjoy. We'd love you to support this show. Please like, follow, and subscribe to us on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Your likes and subscription helps us to grow and attract interviews and content. So please retweet and share our posts. Your contributions are appreciated. Welcome to episode 428 of the KISS FAQ podcast. Yes, I'm back where I belong this week. Uh, Joining me is Marcus Almighty Mark. Greetings. St. Louis KISS Lonnie. What's up? And the voice of reason, 69th Blizzard. Hey, hey. I always want to do like a wrestling intro for Ken. I mean, he really, he really needs like the proper intro. He would need um, like theme music then too. Yeah. To yeah. All, all of you need to pick your own theme music so that we can intro the show properly and Fireworks. make make the intro of the show last like five minutes so that no one listens to the rest of it because they've all turned off because they don't like the long winded intro. All right, talk about long winded intros. Um, Obviously, I did appear on another podcast this week. I would like to thank Three Sides for having me on to talk about the Aerosmith book. That was the purpose of the episode, to uh, basically shill. What, what, what did this guy say? Uh, shill my poorly edited rambling drivel. Um, thank you, John. You need a hug. Um, but there's a lot of crossover KISS content in the Aerosmith book, so the, the guys on three sides were kind enough to invite me on, and we did have a, a good conversation about some other topics. Some parts people will agree with, some parts they won't. Anyway, I want to thank everyone who tuned into that, and these guys for being understanding about me being a whore, and we're going to the other side. Your guys' patience with me is very much appreciated. But I did want to talk about some of the comments on that episode. You know, just call out a, a, a few. Jordan, please, God, don't do it. Well, I'm not God, and I did it. Uh, sorry, Jordan. Hope you, Hopefully it wasn't as bad as you thought it was going to be. Um, Tim, my esteemed co-author and former news admin on the FAQ for many years, did comment that <clears throat> I contributed 90% of the actual interviews to the two best-selling of Julian's books because people do continuously refer to these books as Julian's unfortunately because I'm the face of the FAQ um, Odyssey was born out of the concept that I envisage and directed same with the solo albums book absolutely right and you know if the episode had been about either of those that would have come up and been repeated again it's always been something that I state Tim was the architect of both the Novelder feature in 2012 and the solo album celebration the following year which we later turned into books there is the original artwork for it which had his name on it the name didn't go on the print version from a choice and I'm happy to put it back on anytime he would like Um, again his concept absolutely on the on the vast majority of the interviews Novelder that was the first proof ever printed before it became a book notice how there's only one name on that one it was a thank you to Tim for corralling all those freaking interviews and they're amazing they're absolutely amazing as are all the other interviews that Tim did whether it's with Eric Singer Ace Frehley um, Ron Nevison that was included in the Danger Zone book Um, 
all still freely available to read online over at kissconcerthistory.com so do check it out but also never forget that tim came up with these concepts did the vast majority of the interviews and then we did package them up with connective tissue but never ever uh, discredit or not credit him fully for those uh, contributions to the KISS fan community, not just the FAQ, forget that. The stuff that he does is, or did, was very, very important in capturing that history um, forever. So a few other comments. Kiss King 73, excellent episode. I really enjoyed watching that. I've supported Julian many of his books, all well, Tim and my books as, as well. Uh, they're all great. I'm currently reading the Aerosmith book and it's fantastic. Thank you very much. Um, Baseman Steiny, as a regular viewer, fan of both podcasts, I thoroughly enjoyed this episode. I, for one, would love to see more cross-collaboration between both podcasts. And I say all podcasts because when you go on someone else's show, Mark, I think you've been on some other podcasts. I know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know I have. Lonnie, have you? Well, you tried out for three sides. You're, you're muted. Mute. Yep, you're muted. So so Lonnie's so your audition with three sides was wonderful being muted. Go well, and you can see why I didn't get the gig. Um, no, I, pre I, I I did audition with them, and I was, I was really hurt. Not hurt, I guess. I was, was saddened when I didn't get gig, and Mark did. Um, they only had live auditions with one other guy besides me, so I thought I had a good shot at it, but, you know, um, everything happens for a reason, and I love doing the show with you guys every every week. So Glad to have you. Wouldn't, wouldn't be the same show otherwise without everyone who's participated on it, especially our regulars here. So uh, I, I do love my crew, and uh, we're a team. We're all part of the same show, and any one of us not here doesn't feel the same. Um, Phyllis Simmons. Whoa, that comment's just way too long to read, but thank you for taking so much time to, what, to, to write what you did on the FAQ. Um, Starman2112 of Kings. Hey, I wonder what that person's a fan of great show guys especially this discussion about the 70s live album albums being from that time period as well i'd like someone to name a live 70s album that is not good great well that's a topic for another podcast and i, I think that whole live albums one would make for a, a good discussion i'm sure someone's already done this uh, Rome Loves Dan, A-plus episode, love Mark and Julian's passion. We all feel that special, almost indescribable feeling when we discover something new, unique, and special to us. Yeah, I was rattling the tape just for fun, not to be a complete dick. I guess I'm a bit of a dick, but that's okay, I, I can sleep. Um, we still like you. Thank you. That's, <laughs> that's, that's what I, I, I needed to hear. Um, Someone wrote, I uh, got Alan's Demons of Rock and Phantom book delivered today to my door, 9-6. I got mine yesterday. Thank you, Alan. That's an example of how to do business. Produce high-quality, extensive product first and take orders when ready to ship out promptly. Um, one thing on that. Yeah, we talked a little bit about magic and the right way and wrong way that we perceive uh, to do things. Uh, that show was recorded before news that Ross had lost his mother um, <coughs> surfaced, so I'd like to extend my condolences to Ross on the passing of his mother, because, you know, life events are what are really important in life, and uh, mm -hmm. it must be a, a sad time for he and his family, so condolences, Ross. Um, 
finally UFO and alien channel didn't Andrew just today say that he was the first one to buy the eye video strange um, let's set the context on that again I no pun intended bought the eye video and I milked it for all it was worth on promoting Odyssey um, and then I sold it on when I'd squeezed what value I thought was out of it and then later found out that someone was still selling copies of the um, video from their phone um, but there we go so yeah uh, I, I bought it from the source had it transferred beautifully it was like a 10 gig file in the end um, and then sold it on so um, you know Andrew and hit he was part of a partnership who bought it I believe I don't know the details I don't care uh, bought it from me and who knows where it is now hopefully on someone's shelf anyway you know a, a good spectrum of comments I did touch on some negative ones there um, but generally I, I thought there was going to be much more hate so that leads nicely into um, Ken any comments from our FAQ episode last week yeah there's 23 <laughs> But oh, so, someone watched it. Good. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. <clears throat> read just just a couple of quick ones uh, since we already did some comments from the other your your show. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, one uh, this one comes from uh, Jason Leonard. Um, says another great episode, boys. I gotta say that Dress to Kill is my least, uh, I guess, fave of the first six. Um, some great songs, but the uh, production is kind <clears throat> of oh, boring. And he says he agrees. I agree. Um, but uh, that was the end of that. It looks like he's going to continue, but maybe he... That was the end of it. Um, and then uh, we have... Uh, uh, who was it? William Curry. Uh, he got the three blue LPs and also the two CD... Uh, lastly, I bought my fifth fifth copies of Revenge and Carnival of Souls. So mm -hmm. he's got, I guess, five five of those things. Um, another one we have from uh, Kiss Remasters Films. Um, ha ha ha! I tried to agree with some of the feedback for Rock and Roll Over, uh, but I. I do not like it, but I think Love Gun is better. Well, I do like it, but I think Love Gun is better. So um, I think a lot of us said you liked it. I, I, I have to say something, though. There, there, have, there have been many positive comments about me on this episode. Oh, I didn't, oh, you, we, we didn't, no, we didn't all, notice those. You skipped those. all of them. You well, skipped all of them. For example, okay. oh, David wait, wait. Donnelly said, oh, yeah. perfect reply from Mark on making love. So many people have said to me about numerous songs, I could have written that. Yeah, but you didn't, did you? Think about it. Classics like Something Else, Summertime Blues, Come On Everybody, same three chords and all of them, the chords you learn when you first pick up the guitar, but only one person thought to put them in together and create those three songs that have lasted forever, which I 100% agree with him. And then Kiss Remasters film said, I agree with Mark on the production of Destroyer. Yeah, there you go. And uh, of course, well, yeah. what, what are those three chords also in then? I just wanna. There's another yeah. one. Oh, 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 since since Mark, we're all on Mark right now. I will, <laughs> I will, I will say there's another one from uh, who's that? I can't HBK Sweden. H yeah, that's it. I think Mark is right about Destroyer again. 
the production destroys the album, but uh, but live the songs kick ass. Yeah. So it's all about Ezrin. Now you can all kill me. Haha. <laughs> so there you go. I agree. Comments of the week. All right, so new merch. Obviously, Des Moines off the soundboard comes out tomorrow. You notice how I'm moving on really fast from the love for Mark. Um, no offense, Mark. <laughs> as, a, as a Canadian would say, I'm sorry. So, uh, as, as I was saying, off the soundboard uh, comes out tomorrow. It's already out now in certain uh, time zones. Um, anyone else got any new merch? Actually, uh, Love Gun. There's a delay, isn't there? Who, who got the email? Day. Lonnie? I got tell, it. Tell us. Exciting. It's exciting. It was a great uh, addition to my Thursday afternoon to learn that what I ordered several months ago was going to be delayed. And I really, truly appreciated the fact that they waited until the afternoon before the release day to tell me that it was going to be delayed basically indefinitely. Um, so that was that was kind of nice. That was, a, that was a nice kind of Thursday afternoon surprise. I, I really appreciated the kiss online. Thumbs so, up. Yeah. Thumbs up on thumbs that up was, on communication. That was yeah. the uh, well. At least you got an email rather than I checking a, a website year after year in hopes of an update. Um, yeah. Was that for the picture disc for Love? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Right. Yes. Um, yeah. So it was for the picture disc. I, uh, yeah. And at least there you, was some. There's something very important yeah. to mention about that. It's not just a, a notice for. Um, a delay, which is inevitable. You have to opt in to, s or your order will be canceled. Um, you know yeah. what? That that is total total bullshit. Okay, this whole thing that you have to click in to like. I agree to. The, I agree to the delay. You know yeah, because, because yeah. How many times do you, are you getting emails and you just kind of swipe through them? Yeah, yeah. And you know what? Lonnie pointed pointed out something that I want to further touch on. He said, he goes, thank you for letting me know this one day before it was supposed to be released. You know what? They knew this long time ago. I mean, I've been involved in the pressing business here for a little while now, and they know when this is going to be released weeks before, not just a day before. There's no way they were sitting there going, oh my God, if we make it in the next hour and a half, we'll have everything done and ready to go. Like, there's no way. Okay, they knew that they were behind, and they were behind for a while. Okay? So this is complete and utter bullshit. And once again, I, I am glad I didn't order from Kiss Online at my creature. Well, I did order the, the, the vinyl, but I'm keeping my fingers crossed that that one will cross something come. else. Yeah, but I was, you know what? And I was feeling good about it. Everybody was saying, oh, this new for new providers, new suppliers, new this, new that. It'll be different this time. And somebody said that the best, a new boss, same as the old boss. And this, you know what? I, somebody online said, yeah, the Who's, they said that. And uh, I, I'm really annoyed about this because the, the whole point is you had this problem before. People were pissed off. Nobody wanted to order from you guys. And now this fucking crap is happening all over again. Like, what the hell is going on here? Like, how hard is it for you guys to put an email earlier on and say, listen, this is what's happening. The pressing thing is going slow. You know, whatever, a new Madonna record's coming out, so they bumped us. Whatever, just let us know the truth here. This is so completely frustrating, you know? And it really now makes me not want to order anything else. And I was saying last time that when I ordered the vinyl, the blue vinyl there for the latest one here, the Creatures, that I was saying, oh, maybe I'll go back and I'll order the Love Gun Gold one. Maybe I'll go back and order... You know what? 
fuck them. I'm not ordering anything else now again because this is completely shit. If I'm gonna have to wait now for for a message from them and then after that I'm gonna have to go in and re-log in so they don't cancel my order. Oh my god. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm I'm done. Okay, but tell us how you really feel. Yeah, don't hold back next time. Seriously, I'm tired of it. But at least for the revenge, the revenge got delayed. But it was like delayed like a week, and they told us, hey, you know, sorry, it's not gonna be this Friday. It's gonna be next Friday, and and it did at least. So like today it was just like they didn't give us any information. I mean, they don't know. They don't. They literally don't know. On a positive note, they they sent the, that they shipped the uh, love gun gold. On a negative note, I got combined shipping, so I get nothing. Mm, there you go. <laughs> that sucks. Didn't order God. any. Didn't order any of that shit, so I don't care. I'm a sucker in the group. So actually, I'm on the uh, I'm on New Discover right now, and uh, Des Moines CD is sold out there. And mm. it's also more expensive than Amazon. Um, the black vinyl sold out there for Des Moines, so only purple left. And Creatures Here. Deluxe still not there, but they do have the revolver box set for 199. How much? 199. That's going to be a deal, considering that they just announced that the uh, that the mono pressing that's going in it is actually going to be a completely analog version of it. That was a big thing amongst collectors. That, oh, it's, is it going to be a digital version of the album? And apparently now they're finding out there's a completely analog mono pressing of it. So if that's true, that record in there is almost worth as much as the box set itself. Yeah, I don't care. I'm ordering the whole thing digital. Just want the music. Ken, no, you're going to say something. I don't want... No? Who's going to say that? I thought Ken was starting to say something when I got uh, off. Earlier, yeah, I just let you guys go. Um, I was going to say that the Love Gun talk leads into the my delivery this week. Wow, okay. Um, What's that? So, uh, one of them is this uh, here. Oh, nice. That's cool. Button. What is that, original then, or a reprint? That's a reprint, yeah. That's not original. Um, and then the, the story... Like that it. looks pretty nice, actually. And cool. So, yeah, yeah. These are actually look pretty cool. That's the only reason I got them because I thought, oh, these look pretty cool. Look like you know they fit on the album cover background and. What is so, it? Yeah. A pin. Yeah, they're like a, a pin. Uh, there are four pins. There. Yeah. Yeah. See there. Oh, okay. So that's so, the back. Uh, so yeah, shiny metal. Yeah. That's the delivery this week. Very that's nice. <clears throat> I got one more, and then uh, we'll get into today's topic. Proof copies of this, which will be available at cruise-related events, which are still to be announced, and we still live in hopes of them being announced. So uh, more to come on that. There will only be, I think, 50 copies, more than likely. So, um, all right, today's topic. We often focus on the worst this, the worst that. Um, We like our lists. So we've combined... Mm -hmm. A new angle the best imagine that and we wanted to you know just ponder <coughs> some of the things that kiss got right we talked about this in the last episode which gave birth to it you know what has kiss gotten right and how do you even approach that um, Ken how do you frame that question and what goes into it do you limit it to just when you were a fan or keep it to an era, or are you just going to include all 50 years? Well, um, I almost, well, in my list, I almost included something is just off the list. Um, I almost included something that was before I became a fan. Or, well, I did include one thing, but there was another thing even. 
um, that I thought uh, I should list, but I did not. But yeah, there's stuff that uh, was before I became a fan in '77 that uh, obviously they got right. Um, so yeah, I approached it for me the the biggest things that really they got right that I think uh, affected their career, that sort of thing. Lonnie, how about you? And how tough was it to narrow it down to five? It was tough. It was tough to narrow it down to five. Just thinking about, you know, obviously we do focus on the negative a lot of these. Like, oh, this is where they really missed the boat on this one, or it was a missed opportunity. We talk about that a lot. But at the same time, you know, this is a band that's had fifty, almost fifty years of sustainable success. You know, they had their highs and they've had some lows. But they've done they've done some things right, obviously, in, in 50 years. I mean, and you could you know you can just start with something as obvious as this. What did they get right? Well, the makeup for number one. You could just say going back to the very beginning, obviously. Um, there, there's a lot of things the band got right. So, um, it it was I had to take like I had I had to just compress it down to what I thought were the five most things they got they got right and it wasn't always an easy task because i could have just i mean I, I thought about just saying the makeup because that's a that's just a real easy answer because they did get it right because i mean that was a big part of that was a big part of their success in the 70s um just keeping the, the mystique and everything about who they were it was a big that was a big part of it but it was it was a difficult task um but it was a fun task because usually we sit here and vote and talk about oh they missed out on this and missed out on that it's kind of fun thinking about all the things that, that they've done right for yeah, no, it's refreshing to flip it around. Mark, how about you? How do you frame it? Uh, I, I went for pretty much the whole career. I mean, if I went from just the time I started, it, it would be a you know obviously a smaller list because I wasn't involved in it as long as someone like Ken, for example, right? But you know, it was it was interesting to kind of think back in that mindset because, like you said, we we're so used to you know pointing out the negative part of it mainly because you know they make it so easy to point out the negative stuff they, they're so good at doing negative stuff but it's nice now to be able to sit down and find some really positive stuff that they did that helped take this band from you know a, a maybe only a six-year career to a 50-year career which is fantastic so they, they must have done more than a couple of things right yeah exactly and I, I think you know if there are people who hate kiss the fact that Kiss is still around after 50 years, you have to give it to them that they refuse to go away. If not, if you're not going to give them anything else, you got to say that at least they, they've been a, around for 50 years. You can't deny, mm -hmm. well, you simply can't factually deny that no matter how much you hate them. So uh, if, if you try to, you're not going to get very far. You know, the woulda, coulda, shoulda is real nice to go into, you know, what could they have done. But it's nice just to talk about the things that they actually did the way I framed it obviously as a fan who be, well becoming a fan in 1985 I kept it to everything that they've done post 1985 that I've experienced I don't want to go back and talk about things that I didn't even know existed um, in this conversation I do that enough on all the other episodes that we do so mm. you know, for this one I kept it strictly to post 85 the things that I really felt that they got right and no doubt we're going to miss out some because we're keeping all of ours to five Lonnie why don't you get us going with the first of your picks? Well, all right. First of my picks is um, Kiss Alive. They got it right with Kiss Alive. 
Um, and, and it might have been the fact that they, they kind of stumbled into the fact that they got it right with Kiss Alive. They needed something to, to tie the band over a little bit. Let's record a live re- record. We'll get Eddie Kramer to produce it. And bam, it just blew up in front of their face. And I predict, I, I said that was number one because it was the, it, it's the thing that propelled them from kind of being like a, like a cult type band in some, some middle markets in the Midwest to, to being a nationally recognized act. Act and and also because it it saved their asses. I mean, they were they were in trouble and they they needed something instead of just spitting out an album every six months that would just sell me just you know okay and not go mm. you know and uh, but Kiss Kiss Alive put them on the map. It saved their asses and it saved the record company. It did a lot of things for all parties involved. So just the fact that we recorded Kiss Alive. Um, that was a that's 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 one thing they definitely got right. Did uh, you order your list in any way, or are you just chucking them out there like I will be? I just kind of chucked them out there. I kind of kind of chucked them out there, kind of in chronological order, but not really. Just I'm just going to throw them out there. Okay. Uh, got uh, Mark. Mm. Ken, thoughts on Alive? <clears throat> Did it make your list? <clears throat> yeah, um, Kiss Alive. <laughs> that's one of the ones on my list. Um, Recording and releasing alive. Um, yes, like Lonnie said, they, it saved them. It saved the the record company. Um, I think they were already kind of on an upward trajectory. Just there's it was known that uh, you know people were were coming to see them anyway. Um, it was starting to fill up the arenas, but this accelerated the alive album. Really accelerated their rise you know to start him um i think it would have taken another year or two um, maybe later they would have hit it and it may, it may have had to uh, be on another label uh mm. had they not released live but i feel, still think they would have made it um just you know word of mouth and and, and that sort of thing and just just getting their name out there as a great live band, so um, but Alive just kind of accelerated it, and you know the rest is what they say is you know history. Such an optimist, always eternally. Yeah. They'll they'll have made it. You know it's funny because I, when I read the I remember going back to some of the books I read and reading that part where Bogart went out into on vacation and went scuba diving and decided maybe I'll turn off my tank and just die here because it was going so shit for the Casablanca and Kiss. I mean, you know, maybe Kiss would have made it, but by the sounds of it, if they didn't do a live, uh, Casablanca wouldn't have made it. That's for damn sure, right? Uh, but yeah, I, I think that a live was a, was a good good move on their part. I mean, obviously the, their strength is in the live performance and, you know, finding a way to <clears throat> capture that, what better person to do that with than Eddie Kramer? And of course, as we all know, and that's not no news flash to anybody, it's clearly not a live album in the truest sense, but they were able to make it into a truly interesting record and an interesting performance of the band. So uh, whatever it was, people loved it. It saved Kiss and put them on the right trajectory, as Ken likes to say. Yeah, I rewatched uh, Ultimate Albums Alive this week. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I wasn't there in 75, so to take it out of that historical context of how important it was and how they got it right, just any time I press play on that, they got it right. It sounds fantastic today. Um, I guess it sounded fantastic back then because f- sold four million copies or whatever. Um, 
it's still a live album that represents a live performance extraordinarily well and you know in the ultimate albums alive you, you get to de delve far more into kind of the ethos and the history surrounding it from the people who were there so um if you, you need something to watch it's up on uh, youtube like everything well a lot of things aren't on youtube anymore unfortunately <laughs> but uh, it's still there for now um mark what are your picks okay well uh, with me, I, I did the, kind of the same thing as everybody else. I didn't really rank them as most important to least important. So I'll just go with my first one, which was I put recording creatures of the night, returning to a heavier sound. Um, we all know that you know people were a little displeased with Unmasked. People were confused with the Elder, and I think that doing creatures of the night was definitely a right move. People can argue and say, okay. It didn't really sell well, and it didn't do well. But I'm, but I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna present this though. Obviously, years and years later, we're talking about this album and all excited about a box, deluxe box set of this record coming out. Okay, and I know from a lot of podcasts that I've watched, a lot of other Kiss ones, and even non-Kiss ones, Creatures of the Night has consistently been on so many people's top ten, top twenty lists of greatest kiss records done uh i've even saw a podcast over talking about strictly about uh production of audio where people said that creatures of night was listed as one of the better albums sonically so no, no matter how poorly it may have done in 1982 th this album to me i think was a was a brilliant idea and I think it was a return to form for the band. I, I still think it's one of the best records they've done. I mean, Paul Stanley even says that it's one of his favorite records still. So I, I think that it's uh, extremely important that they did this record, in my opinion. So weird that the 85 version is the one that sounded creature. The title track's the one that I'm most familiar with. Ken, Creatures, did it make your list? Yeah. Uh... It, it didn't make my list, but it, I have something very similar to it uh, revolving around it. So, But yeah, I, I agree. Creatures is uh, a major thing they got right after doing, you know, Dynasty Unmasked and the Elder. It was a real return to form and, and just, you know, in-your-face kind of uh, albums like, you know, we're, we're coming back to, you know... You know take names or whatever um so yeah it, it's a great pick and uh I, I totally agree with it lonnie you're muted again lonnie damn it lonnie i'm sorry <laughs> to get the washing machine going behind me you can barely hear it but i just didn't want it to be like a buzz in the background oh don't worry it's um, like i got the harleys going by on mine and the fan going <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but during the day I get mad at people that are muted, and then in the evening I'm, I'm that person. So, um, <laughs> but anyway, no, I agree about about creatures. You know, despite it not selling well commercially, it is something that they really got right. It's something that the band needed to get right for themselves too. That they they had to return the form for themselves just as much as they had to return the form. Um, for their fan base, they had to be true to themselves, and I don't think they had been true to themselves the last couple of years. And they've been chasing a few, chasing a few trends um, the previous years. And um, re a return to form is really what the band needed, I think, to stay together. Even at that 
point mm-hmm. more than anything else. <clears throat> but, you know, this is who we are and this is what we're all about. You, even though we're having this, by the time the recording creatures, you know, it's really just Gene and Paul left really at that point. And it was those two coming together saying, you know what, we, we need to go back to our roots here and embrace what made us kiss. And whether the, whether the public embraced it or not, um, to what Mark said, 40 years later, there's all these KISS fans saying, I can't, I can't wait to get my hands on a deluxe version of this album. And despite it not selling well, I mean, it, it is one of the better KISS albums. And one people people ask people who are, what's your favorite KISS album? A lot of people are going to list it in their top five, if not top three or one. So it, it's mm-hmm. definitely something that they can write. Yep, agree with, agree with all you can. Let's have your first pick. Okay, uh, I'm going to go with... Uh... Yeah, we might as well just follow on, <clears throat> on with that. Um, with my 82 pick, selecting Michael James Jackson as a producer, um, because I think you wouldn't have Creatures. That would you wouldn't have had that great album had he not been the, selected as the producer. Um, a lot of the songs on there, or a number of the songs. I don't know if even Vinny would have been involved. First of all, um, and then also you have. Brian Adams and, and Valance um, mm-hmm. contributing to I don't think they would have been involved uh, I think the album would have been a lot different and I don't think you would have heard, had the booming drums either um, mm-hmm. as, as we hear them so uh, I think he is just as important or maybe even more important to a degree than Kiss themselves uh, on that album um, I, I just think it's it's all him, really, um, and they kind of continued it with into lick it up. So I think selecting him was a major, major, uh, big deal um, that they got right. And you wouldn't even if they selected Kramer, they may have gotten a great album, but I don't th- I st- I don't think it would have sounded the same or. A lot of the songs would have been, but it would have been more of like what they did with, you know, probably Love Gun, Rock and Roll Over, you know, kind of that stuff. Um, so, yeah, that's that's my pick, Michael James Jackson, as a correct choice there, big choice. Lonnie, you're nodding. I take it it's not just being polite. No, I totally agree. I mean, it's you know, creatures wouldn't have sounded the same. Look it up, wouldn't have sounded the same. I mean, those are. I mean, we, we talk about how great everybody loves creatures. I mean, he, he, a lot of people say "Look It Up" is their favorite non-makeup Kiss album, and that—that's one thing they definitely got right. They, I, I, I think, the temptation could have been there to go to Eddie Kramer because they, you know, Eddie, Eddie had made him sound good in the past, but they—they they leaned toward Michael James Jackson and, and to what Ken said, you know, that, that helped I think bring Vinny into the fold and and create that that sound that we love. On the on those two albums, and in my opinion, it's a shame we didn't get more of it. Yeah, Mark. Yeah, I, I agree with that totally because I mean I remember reading, uh, might have been even in a, a couple of books that we that I have around here, uh, about the fact that Michael James Jackson, you know, had specific things in mind when recording creatures, you know, uh, using the specific telefunken microphones and stuff like that for the drum kit and stuff like that. He was very instrumental. And creating the sound of this record that we all love and enjoy and you know the, a good point from ken you know about his involvement as producer maybe we wouldn't have got some of these extra 
you know, songwriters involved in it if, if he wasn't involved. Who knows? I mean, I don't know the details not fully, but sometimes producers are essential in doing that, finding outside writers and stuff like that to help the band. So I, I'm fully in agreement with that. And I, and I think he did a great job on, on the record overall. I mean, like I said, a hundred times, I, I think it's still my favorite sounding Kiss record. I mean, I had it in the car today again, just totally blasting. My poor dog was like looking at me like, please turn it down like, in the back seat there. So uh, it's it's such a great such a great record. I mean, I I, I can't stress enough uh, how much of it it's had an impact on me as not just a musician, but as a person who records his own music. Okay, my first pick, and this is chronological, 1995, MTV Unplugged absolutely spectacular um not just the performance this the performance is stunning i can play that album with equal uh kind of pleasure to this day and we always rave about it when we talk about mtv plug it was like a pure for me it's a pure validation of the music even though it's not completely unplugged or pure mm -hmm. from that aspect um the gems mixed with the standards but also that it brought Peter and Ace back in and what it sets the ground for. So it's kind of tied in with my second pick, which is Tiger Stadium and the whole reunion stuff of the showing up on the Grammys in makeup, shocking the people, Rip Tupac. Um, you know, so just it that whole thing at such a downtime for the band that they're, they're struggling creatively in the, in the follow-up to the failure of Revenge, um, the tour, obviously not a failure artistically um in that it did you know recapture that attitude that we just talked about on creatures but mtv unplugged lonnie's <laughs> done a sad face lonnie. The, failure, the failure of revenge i had but a sad um are you going are you kicking are you kicking it to me yeah Oh. Um, yeah, I mean, Julian, you talk about. I mean, I, I think we all kind of said, I, I, we all said something about. Julian started with with ninety ninety five with um, unplugged and how it leads into Tiger Stadium. And I, I think all four of us said something about nineteen ninety six. I mean, how can how can you mention the success of Kiss and not mention nineteen ninety six? Because. In my lifetime, Kiss was never more popular than what they were in 1996. And it was such vindication for me after, you know, people saying, oh, Kiss, that's stupid. Why don't, you know, listen to Pearl Jam, listen to Nirvana, um, a lot of my, listen to Soundgarden, listen to all this other stuff that, that guys my age could listen, that guys in high school were listening to at the time. And then suddenly um, MTV Unplugged happens. And you know, we've all talked about our MTV Unplugged experience, whether you knew it was happening or not. And, you know, I just remember watching them on Halloween that night um, on MTV and just being... Sh the, the, my initial shock and awe was Ace and Peter coming out. I had no idea it was happening. And just being blown away that, like, oh my gosh, this is so unbelievable that, that they're just even playing these songs together. Not even thinking that far ahead that, oh, could they put on the... Re could they put the makeup back on and, mm. and and do a sold out world tour which they did and, and that goes back to one of mine I said 1996 because it saved their asses putting the, putting the makeup back on um, and it did it so, gave them another 25 years correct I mean where had 
had MTV Unplugged not happen and the wheels of the reunion tour not spinning after that, who knows? You know, I, I, I mean, I think it was inevitable that eventually they would get back together. I mean, Christ, Axel and Slash somehow all of a sudden like each other again because I think the money's too good at, at a certain point. So um, I think it eventually would have happened, but it just it just felt so magical and so perfect at the time um, with with Unplugged leading into re- the reunion and and most Kiss fans just buying into the hype that you know this this is all just magical. So um, excellent choice, Julian. That kind of leads into the, to my 1996 also. Nice. That's the whole idea of kind of grouping it. Uh, Ken, 95, 96, make your yeah, 96. I was. Same as Lonnie's about putting the makeup back on and for the reunion. I think it was the right time. I think they would have done it a few if they would have done it a few years late earlier, uh, or even five years earlier, like they were thinking about or so. <clears throat> I don't think the reaction would have been the same. I think it was just it was just perfect timing. I mean, it was the perfect amount of time between you know the, when they took it off and then putting it back on. And a lot of people didn't even know they took it off, to be honest. I mean, sure. I had people, you know, friends, and it's like, uh, you know, they are they still around? Or, you know, I was like, yeah, <laughs> they don't have makeup on now. I was like, well, oh, okay. He goes, yeah, they've been around all this time. But, you know, when they put the makeup back on, they thought they were like, came out of retirement or something. Mm. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's, that's a, a huge, a huge thing. It was everything just kind of fell into place. It was the right time to do it, and obviously, it was it was a major success. I had people who still didn't care about them when they put the makeup back on, and still don't oh, to yeah. this day. Yeah, yeah. Mark, sure. you, you were with me. You had convention and also reunion <laughs> stuff on your list. Why don't you cover both of those? Yeah, well, I think that this whole '96 thing, kind of the 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 seed of it that started was the convention tour. Because I remember back when it was announced and it was coming to the Toronto area, um, my one of my good friends, Ted, who's a huge KISS fan, uh, he was like over the moon excited about it. I think what it did for a lot of KISS fans was re-energize their love of the band again, knowing that they were going to be able to go into a convention hall and be face-to-face with these guys, you know, get some stuff signed, see them playing an acoustic show of songs, and when word started spreading that they were playing, you know, all kinds of songs in their career, people started getting excited. And I think what even, you know, planted the seed for more excitement was the fact when Peter Chris joined them for that one performance during the convention show, I think the buzz started happening. Are they going to get back together again? You know, Peter came up, they were hugging each other, they gave them a leather jacket and blah, 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 right? So it's like... Will Ace show up? Will Ace show up with one of them? I don't know. Will Ace show? You know, and then then it all you know, the talk was happening. I mean, even in the Toronto area, it, it had a big impact on Kiss fans around my my neck of the woods because, you know, it went over really well. Uh, people were there, like it was it was a really well attended uh, convention. Now, one thing I don't know, but I'm hoping that some of the the people who went to the conventions will chime in if they're on the board here. Uh, I'm wondering how the the autographing part went because apparently in the one here in Toronto, uh, the Peter, I mean the the uh, the Paul and Gene line was huge, fantastically long lines for them to get their autographs from them, but apparently the Eric Singer and Bruce Kulick line, you could go up to the table and hey, what's going? Like if there was like three people, 
there. Like nobody saw it went there. Everybody wanted to go to Gene and to Paul. They and you could go up to you know to Eric and to them and chat for half an hour because there wasn't no lineup for autographs. It was really kind of an odd thing to see because hey, on one hand, you know nobody. Some of these people haven't had never met these people, right? So this is their chance to meet Paul and to meet Gene. Right, so of course you're going to take the advantage to meet them as opposed to the two newer people in the band, right? I mean, if I would have been there, I would have went to Bruce right away. But you know, it's I'm curious to see if that was the case in most of the conventions or if this was just an anomaly that happened in Toronto. You know, well the conventions were they didn't have Ace and, and Peter. At, no, no, I'm saying that no, but they I'm talking about Bruce and Eric. Nobody oh, was really like yeah. They just lined up. You you just went through a. You were like, uh, you know, I heard of cows or steer, whatever, and going through and get. You're just in line, and you go from one guy to the next guy to the next guy to the next guy. It was it was a simple because thing. they had it differently in Tron. They had like a separate table for each guy. Gene yeah. separate for Paul, separate for, and then that's why it ended it up like one, that. One line. Uh, mm. That's how I remember it. Maybe yeah, it was different there. Where I you could've, I could have I could forget. You know, my, it might have been different, but. Uh, yeah, but then that that just leads to '96, which you guys already talked about. You know, th that that's just a no-brainer at that point. The reaction of the convention was so strong that you know that was a obvious indicator to get the '96 reunion to happen. All right, Lonnie, next pick. Um, my next pick is here. We'll do something different. I said. This isn't necessarily something Kiss did right, but it's something that really worked out in the band's favor, which was controversial at the time. And that is Gene Simmons' family jewels. And people might roll their eyes to that, but it's it's not a Kiss thing, but al although it was despised by some, it proved to be a huge shot in the arm for the band. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, as much as we talk about Rock the Nation all the time, oh, Rock the Nation said, they were so good, and they were... But attendance sucked on that tour. It <laughs> did, for the most part. So then they didn't tour the U.S. in 05 and 06. In 07, they did hit and run. They did like four shows in the U.S. In 08, they, they toured Europe. Europe and they toured Australia. But Gene Simmons' Family Jewel started in late 2006, and it started building up some momentum and started building up some popularity. That by the time 09 came around, they were recording Sonic Boom in the spring of 09. And in the late summer of 09, they announced they were going to tour the U.S. And I thought, and, and they were touring arenas. They were touring Cobo Hall, two nights in a row to kick it off. The Madison Square Garden, Philadelphia, I mean, the, the, the mm. Chicago, Chicago, um, um, the United Center. United Center. I, I saw them there. Um, but big arenas, big arenas. And, a buck cherry's gonna open. Who was who was a popular band at the time? But I thought, oh, wow, can they really fill arenas? Like I'm surprised <laughs> they're doing arenas and not. I'm surprised they're doing arenas and not touring the summer so they can hit the sheds. And um, it's a little. If there's some empty se empty seats in the lawn, it's not as noticeable when you go to the shows. And yeah, ooh, wow, look at the empty seats. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we know how that that tour sold in the fall of 2009. It sold very well. I mean, I remember being on the floor in Chicago and looking up and, I mean, it was just packed. My brother and I were like, holy shit. Yeah. Um, and I, and and part of it, and, and, and it's twofold. One, they hadn't toured since 04. They hadn't toured the U.S. properly since 04. But Gene Simmons Family Jewels was a big boost in their popularity um, for younger fans 
and for older fans too. And like older fans were watching it with their kids, and like, and and I think it was kind of a bonding thing between um, parents and children, and it helped bring a bridge a new generation mm. of Kiss fans because of that. Say what you want about the show. Was it scripted? Sure. So was is reality are reality shows scripted? Sure. But that show was very instrumental. And then so much more that here, oh nine happened. Well guess what? Summer of ten, they toured the sheds again. I mean they they were selling in the US. And yeah, they had a new album, but come on, we we've seen the sales of Sonic Boom. It wasn't because of Sonic Boom that they were selling in the US. A lot of it was Kiss was Gene Simmons Family Jewels. And I'll shut up. I'm speechless. <laughs> no, you're, you're absolutely right, though. Kept the visibility up, so and you know, remind reminded everyone. There, there's no denying, 2004 was a dud. Even though we we love some of the songs that they pulled out that year in 2006, some of us got to see them that year, and but most didn't. So, um, where am I going? I'm going going back to Ken. Okay. Um. I'll just say first, I, I, I do agree with Lonnie uh, to a degree um, because, you know, it reminded me of this member at the uh, Gene Simmons vault in Los Angeles. Julian, you were there. You were What's there. that? Yeah. <laughs> Physically. Um, anyway. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, remember the first guy in line? The very first guy in line. Absolutely. Absolutely true. The only reason he was there, he wasn't a Kiss fan. He was a Gene Simmons Family Jewels fan. And mm. and that's how he became a fan. Not Kiss, it was Gene Simmons Family Jewels. So it kind of, you know, Lonnie's mm -hmm. point um, is, is valid, definitely, yeah. you know. It, yeah, we had a good chat with that guy as well, and I was absolutely shocked, you know, when he said that, that he was a Gene Simmons, he became a fan because of Gene Simmons' family jewels. Yeah, I thought, I, I was what, like, what? what? <laughs> really? And and yeah. it's the Gene Simmons family jewels guy who was first in line, so. He was yeah. number one in line. Yeah. yeah. He was number one. To me. Anyway, all right, so, um, my another pick of mine is, uh, is the 1990... Hot in the shade. He also won a watch. Yes, he got Gene Simmons' mm -hmm. watch. Took too. Gene Simmons' watch the off gift. his wrist. Yeah, yeah. pretty cool. Uh, that was cool. Um, 1990 Hot in the Shade stage and set list. I mean, it was the greatest, one of the best stages they've ever had. Um, because let's face it, what they had before that, it, you know, between the tank and the and the Sphinx, there was, eh, you know. They tried different things, but they weren't really that spectacular uh, of what you know you expect from Kiss. You know, you hear all oh, the stage show, you know, the stage, this and that. But when they brought that one, that was just fantastic. And then to go along with that is they finally uh, Kiss finally were picking songs out of the their history again. You know, going back to the '70s and and bringing up <clears throat> deep cuts like "I Stole Your Love." Uh, and, and songs like that. It was just a great long performance. Many songs. <clears throat> they increased the amount of songs. I, I want to say it was 22 or more. You know, somewhere around there. Um, songs. So it, it might have gotten up to 25. Maybe I, I can't remember. Julian, you probably know. But uh, <laughs> it, it was a fantastic <laughs> show. They got it right. And 
uh, yeah, Forever was kind of a hit, but I think a lot of it too that that tour did well because of their stage and the songs mm-hmm. that they were doing. Re, kind of re-energized <clears throat> during that tour. Mm-hmm. Lonnie disagreed well, with you, but Mark agrees. Well, I mean, I I agree. I mean, that was one of the things on my list too was the whole you know 1990 and uh, the the whole set list there. I think it was a huge factor of it. But they were very lucky with that because, if memory serves me correctly, that tour was delayed, majorly delayed after Hot in the Shade came out. And apparently, from what I remember reading, it was because they were worried because they had no hit off it that, that they, they were worried that it was not going to sell that tour because they right. didn't have anything to back to push the tour with if it wasn't for forever there probably wouldn't have been no 1990 tour you know the, the proper so I, I think that that song is extremely important in getting them out there because i think once they got it out there i think they kind of realized i think that you know what i, I wouldn't be surprised if they realized that when that happened they were counting their blessings and said you know what we got we got to start playing some older shit here because you know people are not coming to these shows now with this you know playing fits like a glove and all this other stuff from our newer stuff they they want to come back and hear us playing strutter and i stole your love and calling dr love and all these god of thunder you know so i think it was very important that they, they that they did that so i'm, I'm in full of full agreement that that was an extremely important tour uh, but because I didn't, I also didn't get a chance to comment about the the family jewels thing. So I'll just mention that I think that they're uh, very. He was very right about that because I know even within my own family, my younger sisters, whenever I even mention Kiss, they would like roll their eyes, you know, about Kiss. But lo and behold, my youngest sister, I ended up catching her watching Family Jewels several times in her house, and she ended up becoming a fan of Gene Simmons' Secret Family watching. Jewels. Yeah. And it's because she liked Shannon Tweed. So that was her favorite character on this show. And because of that, though, she got back into Kiss and she started, you know, seeing. I think she even mentioned, she said, I think that they, they that there was an episode where Gene was showing the whole fire breathing thing during it. Sure. I think it was where he was in the, he went into his like driveway and just showed it with the sword and and he was she was like wow did they still do that like it, it brought it sprung up a lot of conversations with me and my youngest sister about kiss for that show so you know in a way i kind of was happy that that show came because it got my sister my youngest sister who was always into really good music because thanks to me i influenced her uh that she was into back into kiss and listening to stuff like that so it does have an impact that that show you know if you'd been that much of an influence, Mark, she wouldn't have gotten back into Kiss because she'd never been out of. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Uh, Ken, why don't you give us one more? One more. Uh, well, oh, actually, no. Stick with Mark. I went. You. You were last. Yeah, Mark's, Mark's, Mark's yeah, turn. Yeah, I can't Mark. skip over I, him I again. Sorry, Mark. <laughs> That's okay. Um, so, a lot of the ones that I had on here were done. So I'm going to pick the one that we haven't talked about yet, and. I'm going to say this one with sort of egg on my face because thanks to my rant earlier in this episode, it's going to sound ironic that I put this as one of the things they did right, which is the ongoing reissue campaign. All these colored album reissues and bundle packages keep Kiss on people's mind and keep the money flowing. Yeah, it. I think it's it does do that. Unfortunately, if they would hire people who knew how the hell to operate the the whole thing better, it would be probably a good idea. But I, I have to say, I think it's something that they did right. Because I'm telling you one thing, I'm 
I never did this before, but I'm kind of finding myself every couple of weeks, you know, or a month, every month or so, going back to the KISS website to see, hey, did you did they put anything else out yet? What's going on? Like, is there anything, you know, coming up for like KISS Alive 2? Did they put some new, you know, product there or something? I'm, I'm kind of looking now, which I never did before, you know, because so, now I'm anticipating all this stuff because of the boxes now that are coming and stuff. So, and I know I'm not alone in that. I think a lot of people now are getting excited you know, that there's all kinds of shirt designs and all kinds of, you know, mugs and, you know, lithograms and all kinds of stuff that you can buy now. Like, if, it, it's almost like back to the 70s where anything that you want, you can probably get on their shirt. There's no, you know, Kiss toilet seat or anything like that available. But, you know, who knows? Maybe one day we'll get to that. But it's 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 really good, cool that they're doing, especially that they're centering it around the music. Like, we can get colored vinyl stuff now. We can get German versions of albums i think that that's one thing that they did right that they that they went back and put a little bit of a focus on their whole catalog and and merchandise that could go and promote a certain eras of their career yeah the germans totally got it right with double platinum killers and uh their the elder issue and you know the u.s design house got it nailed it with the destroyer gatefold um mm -hmm. i'll say the unmasked picture uh, not the unmasked um the um elder picture desk i mean there, there's been so much mm -hmm. to choose on I'm, I'm not buying any of it really because i've just had no luck getting it shipped without it getting trashed but there's no denying that it's very very appealing and people like ken buy a lot of it <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, so. <laughs> All right, I'm I'm gonna go. We're you know nearly at the hour mark, so I'm I'm gonna throw in one. You know, I had 2004 the set list. I had Kissology because it brought everything together in one official or three official packages and all the bonus discs. But I think the most important one on my list to me um, is the meet and greets that they started doing in 2003 and specifically those first ones where it had the shine of newness and and it was new to everyone involved both the band the organizers um, and the participants that you went in there and there wasn't one well it's a little bit like I think uh, Mark asked the question of you know everyone milled around Gene and Paul um, but again you know some of my best interactions Peter Chris I've always said it him and me hanging out for a few moments uh, you know, talking theology uh, backstage mm. at a Kiss concert while everyone scavenged Gene and Paul. I, you know, I got some very valuable interaction during that meet and greet. And because it was new, it was fresh, but it also set a new way for people to interact with bands. Um, that it wasn't being done in the industry a lot at that point and it's something that they've done and modified throughout the years and I went to one of the acoustic concert meet and greets um, can't remember what year that was but you know that was very cool and then of course I did one on the end of the road I also did 2004 uh, with Tommy so th they've been very fun events and while it is a cash cow for us now, it was a very fun learning process back then. And you really, as a fan, you had something that looked like a, a special thing rather than a hockey puck like they did on the end of the road. Um, and how treasured were those photos with the band, whether you're on the cruise, whether you're at any of these beat and greets, um, during any of the time periods that they did them. I mean, come on, that 2014 meet and group with Gene looking over at my shirt, you know, is a treasure. <laughs> That's probably one of my most treasured keepsakes. And the only one I've had signed is the one from 2003. I got it signed only by Peter. 
and his is the only autograph that'll go on it because of my interaction with him uh, at that time. Um, thoughts on meet and greets, Lonnie? Um, I totally agree. Uh, when meet and greets, and that, that I saw you put that on your list, and it was tough to leave that off of mine. Um, they did those original meet and greets in '03, um, and I didn't do it, and always regretted it because it was the only time you, there was a uh, an opportunity to meet Peter Chris on a meet and greet. But I did it in 04, and I was young in 05. I might have been, I just turned 25, or I guess I just turned 25, and um, we're about ready to turn 25 anyway. And I was just, there was like 12, those original meet and greets were so different than what they are now. Instead of 200 people backstage, there were maybe 12 of us backstage. Mm-hmm. And um, Kiss came out, and you got your individual pictures with the band, and I was just so geeked out of my mind, and that my first my my picture from that Rock the Nation tour is like Gene giving me a wet willy and his fingers in my ear, and I'm just laughing hysterically. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that I mean, and like and like the band, it was so it was so intimate that the band could pick up that it was me and my brother, but the band could pick up that I was the one just geeked out of my mind, you know, was just beside myself, and you know, so Gene's you know is, is messing with me at the time of the picture because he could tell that I was just. Like almost shaking, yeah. so it's so cool. And then when you got done getting your pitch with the band, um, Dean just goes, "Okay, go meet the band, everybody," and just walk up to them and start interacting with them and talking to them. And they're as they're signing stuff for you, as they're signing multiple things for you. There's no, oh, you can only get two things signed. Oh, um, it wasn't even a no musical instruments thing. You could, they would sign anything for you um and that was so freaking cool and it it it, it felt like that i mean it, that, it they felt like they were the band of the people as they claimed they were like in 96 like for the people by the people they really were for the uber fan like this is like an uber fan geek fan experience <laughs> for the 12 for the 12 people that, that ponied up that kind of money um and then I did one a few years later in 09, and it was, and it was like that, too. I did one in, in Sarnia, Canada in 09, and it was very similar to that, where there was like 12 or 14 of us backstage. And then I did one in Chicago in 09, and there were 200 of us. And my brother and I were like, holy shit. What the hell? It felt, we felt like cattle. Um, it was very different. So... It, it was, and it wasn't the same experience. But those original, that's what Julian said, those original meet and greets... Man, you could nothing. Nothing touches them. Yeah, Ken, meet and greets. You, you've done at least one, right? Yeah, um, I did that most recent one last year, twenty twenty one. It was kind of like you know, cattle. Yeah, you, you're kind of shuffled through, so it wasn't the right kind of thing. The only other kind of meet and greet I had with them were, you know, back in you know the convention and the actually the live the live three meet and greet thing that I uh, was able to attend so that was kind of a you know going back then it's kind of a forerunner kind of thing to what a lot of bands do now I think you know there's a it's a great idea that uh, they had um, and then they've you know evolved obviously over the years and there's so many people now that they they, they can't they can't sign it anything anymore and they can't individually you know talk to you really anymore um, because there's just too many people. Yep. 
I'll, I'll give them props for Vancouver at least you know when I did the the one there uh, you know it, yeah it, it was it was cattle call you're basically guy with a thing there's next. one next but Eric you know at least r recognized me and Wave, you know, made it yeah. made it a fun it's picture other. you know <laughs> so and I'm wearing a Peter I didn't realize I was wearing a Peter Chris t-shirt which is even more I that was that was not pre that wasn't uh, premeditated um, Mark the thoughts on meet and greets, and then we'll just go through our list because we're just about out of time. Yeah, uh, you know, the, I think the meet and greets are a good idea, uh, and like Lonnie said, the early ones are probably the ones to go to for sure because you had much more attention given to you by the band at the time. But then a, probably a terrible thing happened. They realized, you know what? If we put twenty-four people in here, we'll get this much money. If we put fifty people in here, we'll get this much. And, you know, and and it's, and it's all over, and you start seeing Gene Simmons walking around with a with a debit machine in his hand. You know, then you know it's all over because he's like, uh, "Sure, I'll sign that. Just put your card in here, and I'll type in the amount of money that you have to give me to sign this now." So, um, for me, I never went to any of these meet and greets for for one reason. One, they were pretty expensive. I found and number two. I met so many people thanks to the NAM festival that I just found it pointless me spending money when I could go to these things and meet all these people for free and talk to them for like a half an hour. I never forget the time when I went with my drummer and we're at the, was at the pasty booth and heard a very recognizable voice like, don't judge it. It was Nico McBrain complaining about a pasty symbol that he had made for him. And he looked at us and goes, hey, you come here, come, come. And he waved me and my friend over, he goes, what do you think this thing sounds like? And he hit it and he goes, does it sound like shite? And I go, we were like, no, no, it sounds actually pretty cool. He goes, yeah, you think so? And we were talking to him for like 40 minutes, like not a word of a lie. Like we were talking to him for a long time and we even walked out of the booth together and he was going to go get lunch and he said, okay, take care of mates. And he took like those kind of experiences. And I met Bruce Kulik, I got a great photo with him. Those kind of things made me realize that, you know, I can meet a lot of the people that I want to meet at these events and not have to pay that much money for it. Now, I'm lucky because I had an endorsement deal with Jackson at the time, so I was able to go every year to that to attend it because it's not a public, open to the public thing. So, But, you know, I can understand the, the, the beauty of them and why people enjoy them. Because I'll never forget when I got to meet uh, Chuck Billy, the singer of Testament. He's one of my favorite singers in the whole thrash metal scene. And I talked to him for a long time, and his girlfriend took pictures of me, and I felt like he's like a little small guy. I mean, I'm not I'm not like a small guy, but he dwarfed me. He was like 6'5", 280 pounds, and he was a big guy. And I was like, holy shit. And when he shook my hand, it's like he completely encapsulated my hand, you know? So, but it was a, it's such a great experience, these things, the meet and greets, you know, talking with people like that. And you don't even talk about music sometimes. You talk about sports. You can talk about anything under the sun with them. And that's that's what makes it such a fun experience. Yeah, very cool. I think everyone had some good lists today. Let's recap everyone's fives because we didn't touch on every single one. Uh, Ken, why don't we start with you? What were your five picks today? My five was the 1975 recording and releasing alive. Uh, I also had 1983 taking off the makeup. Uh, 96 putting the makeup back on <laughs> for the reunion. Uh, 90, 1990 hot in the shade uh, and set stage and set list, and then. 1982, uh, selecting Michael James Jackson as a producer. All right, Lonnie, what about you? Your five. My five were Kiss Alive because it saved their asses. Putting the make, taking the makeup off in 1983 because it saved their asses. Putting the makeup back on for the reunion tour in '96 because it saved their asses. 
for hiring Bruce Kulick to be the lead guitarist. It brought nice. some much needed stability to the band at the revolving door of lead guitarists in the mid 80s. Yeah. And my yeah. fifth was Gene Simmons Family Jones. Classy guy, Bruce Kulick. Always classy. Class, class. Yeah. class. My five, uh, MTV Unplugged, um, Tiger Stadium. No other place to start the reunion, um, the meet and greets, as we just talked about. And I actually had Rock the Nation set lists because it, it got them <coughs> moving in the right direction. Um, and Kissology, packaging it all up. Uh, Mark, you're five. Uh, number one was Recording Creatures of the Night because it returned to heavier sound. Number two was the Kiss Convention Tour re-energized Kiss fans and started a reunion buzz due to Peter's appearance. Number three, Hot in the Shade Tour, the return to more classic songs in the set list. Number four, 1996 reunion. It was long overdue. Kiss uh, pleased the hardcore original era fans with it. And number five was the ongoing reissue campaign. All the colored album reissues and bundle packages keep Kiss on people's mind and keep money flowing. Nice. So those are, you know, are some of the picks that we came up with for five things Kiss got right. What are the ones that you agree with and what are the ones that have you clutching your pearls you know uh, what what did we leave out egregiously do we we did we miss any of the most critical ones in your opinion you know let us know which ones you agree with and which ones you think we missed and which ones didn't deserve to be mentioned and uh you know make sure you blame someone other than me i blame we, for... we missed number zero disbanding wicked lester but anyway, that's well. Yeah, you know. I, I, well, let's see, let's let's see what <laughs> listeners have so to say says. on the matter. Um, but that's it for this week. You know, um, who knows what's going to happen next week? But for now, from Mark, Lonnie, Ken, and myself, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. God bless the Queen. God save <clears> the gang. Thank you for spending time listening to the Kiss FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the KISS FAQ message board and discuss the topic we've broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again.